0: Well, we know how good the EU is at delaying, but it seems sanctions on Russian oil are going ahead, supposedly hitting 90% of oil suppliers from Russia to Europe by the end of the year. There could be more in the pipeline. Well, it's oil in the pipeline, which is exempt. And what about gas? Can you really fight inflation and penalise Russia at the same time? European inflation, meanwhile, does surprise on the upside. And Joe Biden is meeting with Jerome Powell right now, no doubt to talk about the independence of the Fed and nothing else, certainly not collusion. Oh, no. Oh, we can't have that going on it's wednesday the 1st of june 2022 it's the morning call from nab good morning Well, remember how we said yesterday uh, it looked like U.S. share markets might open up on Tuesday morning? Well, that wasn't the case. In fact, all indices fell, then they climbed back, and then they fell at close after a last-minute sell-off. We're down 0.7% for the Dow, 0.6% for the S&P 500, and down 0.4% for the NASDAQ. Much more action going on in bond markets as well. 10-year treasuries are up 12 basis points, up to 2.85%. Two years are up six, and uh, big rises for 10 years across Europe, 11 basis points for uh, gilt yields, at, uh, 2.1% now in the UK Aussie 10 years are up 10 basis points as well to 3.35% The US dollar has climbed a bit then lost a bit so no big move really overall and yet the US dollar itself is up 0.9% on the Japanese yen it's up 0.4% on the euro and oil that march continues upwards for Brent up another 1% close to $123. It peaked briefly above $125 actually uh, and with the European decision overnight it might only get worse so let's uh, see about that. Uh, Taylor Nugent joins me from NAB in Melbourne Uh, it feels today like uh, there's not much new news today just confirmation of a few things that were in the pipeline. And there is a pun there, obviously, because the EU has agreed to a partial ban on Russian oil, banned for shipments and a temporary exemption for stuff that is in the pipeline, oil pipe uh, pipe from Europe to uh, pacify Hungary, basically. So Esla von der Leyen has said it's going to stop 90% of oil from uh, uh, Russia to Europe by the end of the year. I think it's going to halve it immediately. Uh, No massive response, though, to the markets on this, because I guess it was expected.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think if you kind of look across um, market movements, they the kind of, yeah, not, not big new news, but inflation very much kind of back in focus. And you saw that with European rates kind of extending their sell-off with um, German yields higher again after that um, um, European inflation printed a little hotter than expected, although upside risk there had been kind of well-flagged by higher German and Spanish um, inflation earlier in the week. Um, and then, yeah, US equities kind of breaking Breaking that seven-day losing streak last week, but not not sustaining that rebound into um, into Tuesday as U.S. markets came back. Yeah, um, and yeah, as you say, the the news around energy markets have you know provided some some support for oil. Um, that some in, some sanctions had been expected, and the the interesting part is that yeah, so some carve out for for pipeline suppliers, which helps some of those. Um, countries in in central and eastern Europe shore up some immediate supplies, and then um, interestingly, the extent of the the, um, the sanctions pushing through into a ban on on ensuring um, Russian shipments to to third countries as well, meaning that there could be some broader-reaching implications. But reporting um, that I've seen over the last um, day or so as well also suggests that. Um, OPEC could be considering um, excluding Russia from their from their planned quotas, which could allow um, some other OPEC countries to. Um, to pump more oil so potentially some offsetting use in the margin there for the oil market
0: Right yeah perhaps but the I mean yeah that story which is in the FT this morning about this agreement between the UK and the EU to coordinate a ban on ensuring any any ships carrying Russian oil to anywhere so I mean the screws are tightening so I guess if you add that to the fact that because we've got this choice haven't we really it seems like you can uh, you can either uh, try and tame inflation or you can, uh, or you can tackle Russia head on uh, that is the problem that we're facing right now and I guess we're seeing those inflation numbers rising in Europe that's part of that same story isn't it and the fact that now there's more sanctions going on you know the hope that inflation might be peaking you know perhaps that's that idea is dissipating
1: yeah those same things that we've been talking about for some time with inflation in in Europe especially really an energy and food story and you saw that again in the in the May numbers that we saw so European inflation was up 0.8% month on month and eight 8.1% um, in the year to May, um, and excluding food and energy, price uh, price rises were kind of much more muted, um, but importantly, they are creeping up as well. And so um, that core number increased a little above expectations as well at 3.8%. Year on year, um, and so that does seem to be some evidence that these, you know, higher input cost pressures are bleeding more broadly into the index and will be, a, you know, a cause of concern for policymakers. But overall, the inflation story is is very much still concentrated in in those energy prices, which are up thirty nine point two percent over the year, and, and 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 um in higher food prices as well.
0: But it does raise the question, doesn't it, about what the ECB does next week? I mean, this is the highest inflation level ever for the euro area so does it put 50 basis points on the table certainly
1: the the comments that we've seen from from ecb speakers since the inflation print and and earlier before, ahead of that yesterday as well seem to be still consistent with that kind of benchmark pace of ending asset purchase, um, purchases purchases and, and teeing up that july meeting for the first hike with a follow-up hike in august um uh, ecb's decoste said that um you know, the ECB should aim to negative, exit negative interest rates by the end of the third quarter and should avoid abrupt movements in rates and kind of preaching gradualism there as well. A little bit firmer <laughs> from another ECB speaker, Casimir, who said that while well, the baseline is 25 basis points in July, um, they are open to talk about a 50 basis point hike with kind of that next um June inflation number important on that front as well but yeah certainly still uh, the key message one more gradualism in the near term
0: Interesting isn't it because on the one side of the Atlantic in the United States they're getting lambasted for not having moved uh, fast enough and sharp enough on the other side you've got this gradualism from Europe and yet inflation is that much higher they've got a much bigger obstacle to overcome. Yeah
1: it it is interesting and I think again it comes down to those those drivers of inflation and, and whether that is kind of echoing back through into Higher wages growth, um, with kind of, you know, wage wage outcomes in in Europe still modest, according to some ECB speakers, and so that's certainly something that they're watching. And then mm. if if this does feed through into those second round effects and into higher wages growth, than that, then that would certainly um, suggest that the calculus would need to start to shift. But. Given the, the, given the impacts that, you know, as we've talked about before, these higher inflation rates, especially when it's supply-driven, do come with their own real income shock. And so mm. how much central banks need to do on top of that, given the outlook that they kind of – that they create in themselves is, is a difficult question.
0: Now, it's interesting as well what's happening with the share market because it's down today in the United States. I mean, it was uh, buoyed, wasn't it, towards the end of last week. There was a story, again, in the FT. I don't want to give the, you know, the impression that I've done all my research today just by flicking through the page of the the FT. But a piece in there about how the share market has been buoyed by executives buying into their own companies. And that is often a good sign, because if you've got insiders buying the dip, then they're obviously not as pessimistic about the way the economy is going as investors as a whole. Uh, But you look at stocks today, they're back down again, so this dip buying isn't lasting long. Uh, Maybe because the news isn't getting any better. And look, if you look at some of the indicators from the United States, the Conference Board, uh, Consumer Confidence Reading uh, out uh, the this morning for May, uh, it was actually better than expected, 106.4. But if you look at the future outlook, the short-term outlook, that is down quite a bit. So people are saying, well, you know, things aren't quite so bad now, but we are expecting it to get much worse. The, the Consumer
1: Confidence Board um, um, confidence measure did did dip, as you say. I think, yeah, it's still holding up quite a lot better than um, another closely watched confidence measure, that the University of Michigan survey. Um, and part of that difference is the the weights that the the consum- um the conference board measure puts on current business conditions and, and labour market conditions as well, which seem to be holding up a little mm-hmm. a little bit better than those kind of um, perceptions of of our own finances that are that are kind of driving a lot of what we've seen um, in the other confidence surveys. The real the real key um, question here is you know even though those confidence measures have have weakened they are just yet to show up in in the pace of spending and so while while consumers may be feeling a little bit less optimistic, while they keep spending, um, it's hard to hard to read too much from these confidence numbers and, and map through into the implications for spending. Well, I tell you,
0: someone who is concerned is Joe Biden because he is meeting. Uh, he, of course, this is the president who said that the uh, central bank should be independent. He's not going to be telling them what they shouldn't shouldn't do. Uh, but despite that, Joe Biden and Jerome Powell meeting today. Perhaps they're meeting today so Joe Biden can reaffirm that they shouldn't uh, they shouldn't collude and uh, he really supports independent. Of the bank, maybe it's a photo opportunity. I don't know, or maybe he's just very concerned because he's the president and he doesn't want a recession happening. Uh, But either way, take. I'm not sure how we read it, uh, but it's fairly significant that they are they are meeting today. And of course, it's non farm payrolls on Friday. They will want different outcomes, won't they? I mean, Powell will want to see jobs easing. Biden will want to make sure that Americans are still in jobs. They, you know, they do have uh, uh, different things that they will want to, be to see right now.
1: Yeah, on that on that Powell Biden meeting, it looks like it's actually happened in the in the last couple of hours or so, and um, gone come and gone without without too much incident, although it may still be ongoing. But the the key message that I saw out of it was um, Biden using the opportunity to to reaffirm the the independence of the Federal Reserve and and (laughs) say that they have the the primary responsibility for getting inflation down and that um, Biden's main job was kind of giving the Federal Reserve space to do that. So certainly kind of pushing that inflation problem very much into the the Fed's hands there. Um, And it is. But, you know... Although those comments are kind of you know fairly fairly innocuous in the scheme of things, it is it is still interesting that that meeting did take place because it's um it's an uncommon um, yeah. occurrence certainly
0: yeah so uh, but on the on the job side I mean uh, you know the so the the consumer confidence uh, read the conference board consumer confidence read they've got their jobs plentiful index which actually suggests there is a bit of a softening in the jobs market so the Fed will be wanting to see that won't they you know I mean if we if we see that the the, the uh, that there are less jobs around Around, there's going to be less negotiation for uh, for people in jobs, uh, and that's going to stop this uh, this wage push inflation, which obviously is a is a bit of a fear. As you were saying, you know that's the big difference between the United States and uh, and Europe, obviously.
1: Yeah, that was certainly an interesting thing out of the the conference board measure as well. That labor market conditions um, index softening softening a little bit, down um, five point four points, but still very elevated um, relative to history, at thirty nine point three. So still consistent with. Um, a reasonably tight labour market, even if maybe it is kind of a positive sign that some of those kind of you know most most acute tensions may be easing at the margin, um, and that's kind of yeah, ahead of that um, that non farm payrolls read that we get on on Friday with market expectations there for a, a slight slowing compared to the recent pace, um, with consensus looking for for three hundred twenty five thousand jobs relative to to four hundred twenty eight last time, so. Um, a, a little bit of movement at the margin, potentially, but still, certainly a pretty healthy pace of jobs growth, and then those average earnings. Measures as well will get a lot of interest um, out of that report on Friday, too.
0: We had PMIs from China yesterday. They were a bit better than expected, weren't they? But they are still below 50, so still contracting, but very close to it for the manufacturing sector, which is interesting because, you know, with lockdown, a lot of people wouldn't be able to get to work. Although I've read reports of some places workers have actually been sleeping on site in factories to keep production going, anything to keep your job, I guess. So uh, presumably it's going to get over 50 of lockdown's ease. But of course, you know, as we all know, if the cases go up again, if they pursue this zero uh, COVID policy, then lockdowns might start again. So uh, a bit of optimism there. But who knows? They had 97 new cases on Monday. So that's a good thing. Uh, But, uh, you know, the seven day average uh, in the UK right now is 8,000 per day. uh, And Britain's getting on with it. Someone needs to Give them a decent vaccine, I think. But look, I mean, what do we read out of this? I mean, it's just a number, isn't it? I don't know if we can take too much out of what's what, what's really happening in China right now.
1: Yeah, I think I think it just does show how important the the virus containment measures are to to the um, to the outlook and the level of activity in China. So the, the easing of restrictions over May did seem to see these. Numbers bounce back and bounce back a little bit more than anticipated. The manufacturing PMI um, just under fifty at forty-nine point six, um, and then with some kind of further easing that we're expecting over um, already in train over over June in Shanghai especially. Then that you know could see those numbers creep back into positive territory. But then the services um, the services PMI is still still much weaker, um, and kind of as as you said there, it's not it's not a particularly it's particularly robust footing that the reopening is on with with kind of mm. the, that um, that focus on zero COVID and, and, um, and keeping cases under control still. Unless
0: amazing. it burns itself out, you know, which is possible over time, isn't it? Look, Aussie GDP today, uh, relatively speaking, obviously Australia is doing well. I mean, the consensus is a 0.7% Q1Q growth for Q1. Is that pretty much how NAB sees it today?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're expecting a zero point seven percent for the, the quarterly growth number as well. That's after some some better than expected partial indicators came out yesterday. So um on on balance, those partial indicators suggested that that public demand and public consumption amid elevated health still elevated health spending um, support will support growth in the quarter, um, and also showed a, a fairly a fairly large inventory rebuild as well, with inventories up three point two percent in the quarter, and set to contribute around half a percentage point to to growth too. So a, a strong contribution there. Um, that's offset by a large subtraction from from trade, which you have to have to net out from the the calculation, mm. and a lot of the, a lot of that was driven by a, a surge in imports, and so what it looks like we're seeing is that that that, um, large increase in input volumes in the quarter has just ended up in in that inventory build and so nets out to some extent in the calculation. But really the main themes um, will be that ongoing um, recovery um, that is consumption-led out of those Q3 impacts with the services consumption. um, Very much one to watch um, with, yeah, and we're expecting a a fairly strong consumption-led growth number under the hood of some of these... um, you know, large large movements in either direction from from other components. Well, the
0: RBA credit numbers yesterday, we saw quite a rise in business credit, didn't we? So that's a positive sign if, if, if companies are happy to, to borrow to invest. I mean, that uh, obviously uh, paints a picture of a rosy future outlook. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. That investment side we expect to be fairly flat this quarter, and it's it's very much painting a picture of a capacity constrained investment side, especially on the on the dwelling investment and and um, Housing construction side, but as you say, those those credit numbers we saw yesterday, and consistent with the the kind of capex expectations numbers that we saw um, in in data last week, suggest that that that. Inves, investment intentions and that investment outlook is quite strong and it's, no, it's through no short ball of demand that those investment numbers might be weak
0: in the print today. Right, well Bank of Canada meets tonight as well. They are uh, in the 50 basis point camp. I think that's what's expected even though GDP for Q1 came in a bit lower than expected overnight. We also have US ISM manufacturing later on and job openings for the United States as well. Uh, there is obviously this big divide between openings and people seeking jobs. So we, although if job openings fall I guess then you know we might be able to take that as a sign that companies are a bit more reluctant to recruit, uh, but still perhaps not a, a top line number for us right now. Uh, but it might be, you know, what the Fed wants to see, weakening in those those job openings. But we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Phil. And there we are. My work here is done for another day. Back again tomorrow morning for another one. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you tomorrow morning.